Welcome, welcome, welcome to Barnes University Radio. Listen, guys, we got a very special episode today because it's Barnes University Day, right? We're talking about the 2021 draft class, what direction I would go, what players I would select, what was the strategy behind the selections, right? Uh, For those that have been following me, you guys know that I do this pretty much every year, Um you know, more specifically, we've done it for the past three years. So let's let's get that um, right. Um, but for the past decade, I've kept up with the players that I would have selected for the Tennessee Titans. And um, some have panned out. Most have panned out. Others haven't. And one of the reasons why, just a quick backstory of why I do that is because just being a fan, t- the Tennessee Titans went through some very tough years um, in terms of players selected, um, just transactions overall and personnel decisions which it inspired a vocation you know to really you know want to assist one day in helping this team be a perennial uh, annual contender um, and eventually bring home multiple Super Bowls and that's really the vocation that's really you know what triggered this action so it all comes from a good place my intentions are pure but let's get to that draft class, right? Um, first round pick, the Tennessee Titans. Regime currently selected Caleb Farley, my cornerback three. Very elite athlete. Um, great length, great speed, linearly. Um, tough as nails. Um, the guy loves ball. Um, I can understand that selection, but I would have went with a little bit more firepower here uh, for that offense that has... Um, lost so many targets in terms of, um, you know, uh, passes getting thrown to them. And, and then obviously once that pass is thrown to said player, there's yards after catch or production or touchdowns. The Tennessee Titans are probably top five in the league of teams who are losing target distribution or losing players that garnered a certain amount of targets. They lost Corey Davis to the Jets. Ironically, um, the player that I selected got selected by the Jets as well. Um, they lost Janu Smith. Adam Humphreys, although he didn't have the healthiest stint here, th- those are lost targets. He's gone to the uh, Washington football team. Janu Smith, obviously the Patriots, if you haven't heard of, or if you've been living under a rock. You know, um, but, you know, Elijah Moore, wide receiver, out of Ole Miss would have been my selection. And for me, it's like, it makes sense, right? You have a raw receiver who was in my, you know, friend's top five. He was five or six, not going to lie. He wasn't a top five raw receiver for me, and a lot of that came down to size. So I can understand some teams refuse to draft or will not draft a certain player um, if they don't meet certain height requirements in a certain round, right? So if you're 5'8", 180, you're not getting taken by some teams. If you're 5'8", 190, you know, if you're sub 200 pounder under 5'10", some teams just won't take you in the first round. That's their ideology. Whereas with me, Elijah Moore provides that target distribution where we're talking about a guy that you can get targets to and they're going to go cash it. You know, Elijah Moore is like an index fund. You know, he's like a 
uh, an investment. You know, he's going to, you know, not a bank, but an investment firm to where you're going to give him your money. and He's going to multiply it. He's going to make it grow. And that's what you get out of Elijah Moore. You get a player where you get the ball to him in his hands, whether it be in the backfield at running back, whether it be in the slot, whether it be at X or Z, preferably off the ball, being able to move and get this guy in the slot, give him the ball on, you know, orbit, you know, orbit motion, sweeps, all that good stuff and allow him just to work. And, you know, I'm becoming more and more. A believer in the ideology of first round picks is the most are the most like go for the guy you want period like in my opinion like if you have a first round grade on him or even like let's just say you have a top of the second round grade on him go ahead and, and kind of get your guy I'm not saying get a guy like you know is, is more of a fringe third rounder early third rounder don't get that you know um hasty but like if you really like a guy and your team really needs this don't be hesitant to take him in the first round i know it's the most hyped up event ever in football almost to some degree well i'm not gonna go that crazy it doesn't pass the super bowl but the talent acquisition process is very uh you know, it's very marketable. Let's just put it like that. So first round, we've we've wasted five minutes or we spent five minutes talking about Elijah Moore. But I just think it just makes sense when you look at, yes, this was a deep wide receiver class. The Titans didn't take a wide receiver in the first round, but then took one in the fourth round. So even though it was deep, their best opportunity to actually do it again in their eyes was the fourth round. So just because a position group is deep doesn't necessarily mean you pass on it early because you never know when the right time will be to re-enter that you know discussion or re-enter that panel or re-enter that opportunity to take quote unquote your guy or a guy that's going to be a significant difference maker. So I think in my draft you kind of check off that that looming um possibility of the titans going into the 2021 season without a a legit wide receiver two to aj brown so round two they went with dylan radins offensive tackle more of a swing offensive lineman because he can kick inside to guard and tackle as well the guy's a tough player um can move around like i said before and just athletic more athletic than you think i went with um i went ahead and got elijah molden Right. And I kind of can kill two birds with one stone by having a player to talk about because the Titans eventually took him, um, you know, 47 spots later. But I really liked him. I think I think we saw eye to eye with the character, but (laughs) even more so than the character was the football talent and then the the it factor, the X factor that you can always feel and see with the player um, beyond, you know, him having a great interview, it was the just the situation of, you know, this guy outplays his size, right? Extremely intelligent, um, has that NFL pedigree. His father, um, you know, had some experience within the league. And uh, you just see a player in molding that can play all positions, right? He can play safety. He can play boundary corner. He can play slot. Now, just because he can play there doesn't mean that's his best spot. His best spot is definitely in the slot. 
That's the best spot is in safety looks in that robber role closer to the line of scrimmage, the better um, zone concepts, zone blitz, blitzing off the edge. Him as a, you know, using him as a see it and reactionary player in quick twitch uh, situations. You know, in football terms, <laughs> you know, this guy's going to be a slot. This guy's going to be a nickel, right? Football terms, he's going to be a robber. In that robber role, football terms, he's going to be blitzing off the edge. Um, you know, so that's the type of player you're getting molded. And the thinking behind that pick, which obviously they concur, is you just get a puzzle piece in your defensive backfield that allows you to do a lot of things and a guy that you can depend on. Undersized, 5'10", Right, 185, something in that area. And you're not going to get much length in terms of, you know, you don't want this guy going up against, you know, and this is the first player that came to mind. I know he's aging, but you don't want this guy going up against A.J. Green or let's just say, you know, a very Darren Waller in a red zone. You don't necessarily want that to happen on a regular basis but in terms of just moving him around and using that speed and his smarts will definitely benefit the Tennessee Titans like you know it benefited them by having a guy like Logan Ryan that could do that um I'm pretty sure that's what they thought about him when they saw uh Elijah Molden you know a guy that can be very similar to that Logan Ryan uh role and I think he became a role because Logan Ryan did it so well. I mean, this guy was all over the field. Um, you know, I can't remember the exact stats or the amount of snaps he played that year in 2019. But he was, you know, was it over 1,500 snaps played? Just all over the place. Four, four interceptions, several forced fumbles. This guy was phenomenal that year. And I think you can get the same uh, similar production from Elijah Molden. Not saying he's going to do it as a rookie, but you know this is the type of guy that you're getting. Third round Titans with with um, Monty Rice, linebacker, six foot, uh, two thirty, um, a guy that's going to be immediate impact on special teams. But as a reserve linebacker, you get linear speed. Um, you know, a guy that when he when he can see it, he can you know advance and surge and, and be quick twitch and, and knock somebody's lights out but when he has to sift through traffic he can be washed by by offensive linemen um you know i went with brevin jordan tight end out of miami six foot two six foot three 247 um we want to talk about guys that you know are most similar to delaney walker i think you know it's amazing that delaney's been able to create you know a Basically, he's being used as a very common NFL comp for guys who are kind of undersized but move tight ends that, you know, have run after catch ability. Obviously, John w. Smith was compared to Delaney Walker. You know, even before that, to a lesser degree, my Cole Pruitt was compared to Delaney Walker in that sense when he was coming out um, as well. Um, obviously, to a lesser degree, as maybe John w., but the Titans have coveted this type of tight end. Maybe they got tired of it. Or they didn't like, you know, the interview with Brevin or their medicals with Brevin who, you know, he had some <clears throat> a foot injury, shoulder injury. He's only 20. He's dealt with some injuries. 
And then I can understand maybe they, they were unsure of the interview. I can definitely see that. Right. Brevin, for those that don't know about him, he's a very uh, intelligent, highly competitive guy. Um, he's just one of those guys that sees the world, you know, you know, just as a, a, a place to conquer. Right. That adult responsibility hasn't kicked in that. Um, that overall uh, tactfulness haven't kicked in. So I can understand maybe a team not understanding what they're getting. Very much so. He's a very, I'll put it as a bold individual, but that can be, depending on your locker room, that can be a good thing, right? And that's literally the only reason why I think the Tennessee Titans might have not taken him as maybe medicals. And then the interview, and, you know, they coming off the, the situations they've recently had, that could be something to really, you know, dig into. Why didn't they take Brevin Jordan, at least, because your history has shown has shown that you like these type of tight ends, even the tight end that you got as your undrafted free agent in Briley Moore, which we're going to do a podcast on the undrafted free agents that they got. You took even Briley Moore is in that mode. I mean, he's he's lighter weight. He's taller, but he's in that weight range. Right. I think he's actually lighter. I think he's six, four, two forty, um, maybe two forty five. But I think the the actual, you know, depth chart says he's two forty. So but he plays very similar to that. Um, that skill set, more of an H back. Um, you can even use him as a tight end. I mean, a fullback. And, uh, you know, they, they like that type of tight end. So that's a very puzzling pick but like like I've already said with Brevin Jordan I think I think you can use him in different in different ways I think if you just think of him as an inline guy or h-back guy I think you're 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 wasting the talent in totality in totality because he can play as a big slot um I can like I said fullback I would even put the ball in his hands on certain situations close short yardage whatever because I feel like this guy's short area burst and if you can see a common theme that I'm really you know building or how I thought about this draft process was getting guys that could win in short area who are football players I don't I mean I did this year I did keep up with a little bit more of the athletic scores um, because it's it's a fun practice um, but like I said the pat the two picks I just mentioned Brevin Jordan and Elijah Molden, they didn't score very well, but they're football players, right? So I just don't think that he's a piece that could have, could have been used. You know, I don't know if it was that early. Sometimes I think about did I overdraft him? I mean, pick 92 overall. You know, he's a top 100 talent, so we're right on that edge there. Titans picked a right, a fringe starter at linebacker. So, I mean, you know, that it is what it is. And then with the fourth pick, um, Titans went Elijah Moore, um, Molden, I mean. Um, so we, we shared that pick. But for me, that pick was, who was my, oh, Davion Nixon um, with the 100 pick overall. Um, Davion Nixon was a guy that I just, he slid and, and you know, he has two years of production. Um you know, had an incident in college at Iowa. That's the only thing that I could think of. His medical should have been sharp. Um, you know, he's a finesse defensive lineman in a 4-3. I think, 
finesse ability um, helps you better more on the weak side um, rather than on the strong side. He played on the strong side, which is, you know, defensive left where the offense is going right. So, you know, he was able to have quick penetration skills. I mean, at 6'3", 310, the guy was just a finesse defensive lineman that had physicality. And I think with that combination, if you're a defensive line coach, I couldn't see why you didn't you wouldn't covet that. But at the end of the day, it was a very uh, thin defensive line draft in terms of depth. So I can understand why he may have slid. But I think he just provides great ability on, you know, if you want to have him on your, your pass rush plan, this guy can beat a guard very quickly using his agile um, agile hips and, and great hand usage. Um, you know, he isn't the best. Like he, His pass rush plan isn't extensive, but he has so many tools to work with. And I think that that would be a steal at pick 100. He ended up getting taken you know, uh, pick way picks way later, but it's just, he was a steal in my opinion. And, uh, you know, I was very surprised to see him there. He was the highest left on my board from, from a position of need. And I think that was ending day two. So I think Davion Nixon, who eventually got taken by the Panthers, um, and just updating on everybody who, where they was taken, obviously Elijah Moore was taken by the Jets. Um, Brevin Jordan was taken by the Texans, so he's gonna he's gonna find out soon about the NFL going to that franchise right now. Um, just just and I mean that in terms of a lot of transition. Um, and then obviously Moden with the Titans, we share that pick. And then the top of the fourth round, the Tennessee Titans made some trades, gave away three uh, day three picks, which was it, it has to show how much they love. Des Fitzpatrick out of Louisville, um, 6'2", you know, 208. You know, this guy wins with his quickness um, faster than you think. Dependable hands. He's like Tajay Sharp on steroids, right? And I mean that. Obviously, I think he's a little bit better than a Tajay prospect. Um, My comp was Travis Fulgham, you know, Fulgham is 10 pounds heavier. You can see it in his de- dexterity and the way that he plays. But if, you know, obviously if he gets a little bit more physical, a little bit stronger, he can be that type of player. Just wins with, you know, being a good wide receiver that gets open with physicality and a little bit better than you think, you know. Um, and the Titans traded three picks for that. Me, on the other hand, because I saw Michael Carter being taken earlier, I went ahead and got my running back in Kylan Hill, uh, Mississippi State. Some could definitely make the argument he was overdrafted. There was some, and I can see why people might have been scared off because the decision makers probably wouldn't understand um, where Kylan was coming from in the first place. So I can understand him being passed over. But as far as just the talent getting put in a a, a good situation, which I think the Packers is an excellent fit for for Kylan Hill, this guy has the potential to be very Alvin Kamara-like. Um, and I mean that in the sense of this guy can catch. He's good at pass pro. He has incredibly explosive traits. I mean, his lower body, and I predicted this, his vertical jump is astronomical for a running back. And when you see that and you study 
the, the lower body explosiveness of players, it shows that at certain positions that these players have the ability to do freakish things. Like guys like Najee Harris, who's, who's, who's able to hurdle players, who's able to have sh- extreme short area quickness or break tackles because their lowers are so powerful. And I think you get that with Colin Hill. Now, the only thing I would say is the, the, the vision, he's going to a zone scheme with the Packers. So with that being said, it's zones as opposed to um, gap schemes. And I, and I would I would tend to believe with gap schemes, being a running back myself, things happen a little bit quicker. You have to react quicker because things are happening in shorter uh, phone booths, if you will. When you get the ball, something could happen within one to two seconds to where you got to make a move. Whereas in zone schemes, you get the rock, you're headed to an area, and then from there, you make your move or your decision. And I think that's going to be great for Colin Hill to go to a place where there's already an established, you know, identity. Um, You know, he doesn't have to start immediately. I think it's an ideal spot for him. And I think when you talk about it from the wide scope for the Tennessee Titans, you're talking about a situation of if one player were to get hurt and all the football that affected the team most, it would probably be Derrick Henry. If you think about what player that, that if something happened, what team would go down the drain fastest? I think when you start talking about those type of teams, you can't neglect the Tennessee Titans in that discussion because nobody's unstoppable, nobody's unfallible, nobody's you know Superman. Truly, you know, very rarely do you play all games within the NFL right very rarely does that even occur and then you're adding an extra game right so you know you got to have somebody that can come in now does he have to be extraordinary no but don't you want it you know this is this is what I don't understand sometimes within talent evaluation it's like I think that so-and-so played well last year okay do you want well or do you want like amazing and I think I drafted a pretty good running back in Colin Hill. Could he have been available earlier? Sure. But the Titans gave away three day three picks. And I had to make a decision. Could I have went throughout this draft without drafting? I knew he would probably follow day three. He's the best day three running back available. And it will play out that way. There's no doubt he's the best day three running back available outside of Michael Carter right he was the very first couple picks of day three so outside of Michael Carter where they will probably be battling their whole career on the best day three running back I had to take him right had we kept those three day three picks I could have waited a little while to take him but I went ahead and got him so the next selection which will be talked about a while whether it be good or bad for the Tennessee Titans Rashad Weaver Great rotational four, three defensive end, three point stance. The guy has an, a, an advanced, right, an above level, I would say, uh, pass rush plan and you know technique. The guy studies studies a lot, um, but obviously the off field incident before he was drafted has his status in limbo right now. Um, and then with that selection, I was one pick. Taken before 135, I had even written out 
Janarius Robinson, Florida State. But this literally happens within the draft. He was taking one pick before Rashad Weaver was taken for the Tennessee Titans in real time. So I had to come up with, okay, who's another player that I really want within this draft that I have to take now? Or, you know, it... You know, and this is a pick where, you know, you could have went in several different ways. But the skill ratio, ratio, the size ratio, the ability ratio, I had to go with Stone Forsythe to just, you know, it was top of day three. Had an opportunity to get a guy that I think, you know, fits that NFL physicality, um, certainly size wise and to get your right tackle. And a guy that probably could kick in as well in Stone Forsythe out of Florida. Uh, six eight three ten. You know he's a big fella, um, and you know I, I kind of went ahead and got that guy there that's going to solidify their right tackle position in the right way. Has incredibly long arms, st- powerful strike. And one of his best games were against, was against my my top outside linebacker edge rusher um, in Aziz Ojolari. One of his best games was against the best. So and he was there day three. So definitely took a flyer on that. But had we had that 126 pick that was used to draft draft in, in draft capital traded away to take Des Fitzpatrick, pick 126 would be no doubt Janarius Robinson. No doubt would have had him as an edge rusher. And then I would have been able to, to to maneuver a little bit better within the draft, but it is what it is. Um and then um had to wait a t- a t- two rounds. Had to skip the whole fifth round because you traded away your fifth round pick. Then had to wait to sixth round, which you did have two picks, 205 and 215. I took David Moore at 205, uh, guard center out of Gremlin State, 6'2", 6'3", 320, 330, right? Big, low to the ground, um, long arms for his size. Um, definitely one of the best interior offensive linemen in the draft, probably passed over because of ticky tack injuries here and there. And obviously, you know, some would say he's undersized, but I've seen guards and especially centers be, uh, very good players in this league at that size has to get down the NFL lingo. You know what I mean? You've been able to be a leader as far as being a center and being able to communicate, but definitely, you draft a future developmental starter in the sixth round and David Moore. And then with the 215 pick, you take Jacoby Stevens, the Tennessee native, um, went to Oakland High School. Um, you know, and then obviously LSU, six foot one ish, 220, 215, um, drafted as a linebacker. He meets that linebacker size quotient for the Titans with room to grow. And also, obviously, he can be a split safety, uh, cover two type of safety. Um, does he have range? Sure, but you like to see him in a split safety role or as your dime backer, um, having the ability to, you know, um, to guard tight ends, to have that quick, remember, that, that's been a theme, quick reaction, um, being able to drive on the football and just an athletic freak as well. I think he had a 41-inch vertical as well that shows those explosive traits. He had several times where he's, you know, you're rushing a quarterback and just jumps and bats a pass or even intercepts a pass at practices. 
and games one-handed interceptions. I mean, just an athletic freak, and you get that in the sixth round. Your final selection of day three, you get that type of talent. He's a top five linebacker and a top five safety on my in my rankings. So I think you get that as a value play as your last selection. And, and this guy, is, he's not too proud to play on special teams. So I think that's been a common theme of when we talk about, oh, the Titans went heavy special teams. Okay, and that's a good another good podcast. We can talk about special teams and we can talk about undrafted free agents on our next podcast. Fine. But Titans took Racy McMath, wide receiver, 6'3", 210, 4340, LSU, blah, 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 buried behind all these great wideouts. But if you've heard the term, the cream will rise to the top, that is very real. When you're good, you will eventually rise to the top. And especially, you will rise to the top when the guys leave, when people start leaving. Chase didn't play in 2020, right? Justin Jefferson got drafted to the Vikings the previous year. So it could have been the Terrace Marshall and the Racing McMath show. Was it that? No. So come on. If you can't be a collegiate wide receiver, how are you going to be an NFL wide receiver? So now we got to shift to special teams, which he played, you know, close to 500 snaps of special teams. That's great. 400, 500 snaps of special teams. Great. Was known as a very good gunner. Great, right? That's awesome. But it doesn't help our thin wide receiver position. And are you suiting up a guy just because he's a good gunner? And, you know, so, and then you can find creative ways to get him the ball to where that big body can be used and speed and stuff like that. That's not that's the difference between the acquisition process and then the maximization process. We're still talking about acquisition. Right. But the maximization, when all things are said and done, when you close that door or the window of opportunity of acquisition closes. Yes. You start talking about how can you use this guy in creative ways? We're not there yet. And then we talk about getting Brady Breeze, six foot, 190, 195 ish rangy safety at Oregon. Right. I trust him in a single high right in college. Trust him more as a split guy in the NFL closer to the line of scrimmage. You know, I'm not going to trust him in man. Certainly a special teamer, but undersized, lacking bulk. Not the best tackler, right? It's a flyer, but I'm not in the draft process to take to, to, to take that type of low return. I'm trying to get high return with every pick. I know this isn't realistic or whatever, but with every pick, I envision that player being a future Hall of Famer. Maybe people don't think that way, but I do. I'm not drafting just to draft you, right? I'm drafting you because I think you can make a difference sooner than later. But that was the final two picks for the Titans. That was the final two picks for me. I think you have developmental starters with those last two for me. And then with the Titans, you get special teamers, practice squad guys. That's fine. And that's not a criticism. It's just a difference in ideology, right? So... With that being said, I told you guys I was going to go over mine. A good, solid 30 minutes. I, I think it was a very healthy and well-rounded and uh, girthy discussion. So uh, that's great. You know, thanks for tuning in. Um, next podcast will be about the Tennessee Titans reported undrafted free agent signings. And I'm just going to say interest, 
because you never know with these guys until they get on the field. You never know who's really a, a tryout versus a signing. So I'll just say undrafted free agent interest. And then we'll talk about, you know, special teams, the narrative that you draft healthy special team. I mean, obviously healthy. You draft younger special team guys so you don't have to necessarily pay veterans to do special teams. But there's some contradictory um, concepts within that, especially this year with the Tennessee Titans. But anyway, guys, thanks for tuning in, and I will see you on the next one.